0: Buddy, you're listening to Too Busy to Flush, and I am JR, and my wife and I, Molly, have a very special show for you today. We took a drive to Laramie, Wyoming this weekend to visit her family, her very old grandmother, 96 or 97 or something like that, and we recorded a few conversations we had in the car. So, enjoy.
1: Android. Hey, baby. Um, what I was starting to say... Before we started recording, was the kids were listening to the Getty live hymn sing again this morning while I was getting ready.
0: And one of the um,
1: Mommy. maybe this isn't going to work very well. The uh, kids, the kids were listening to the the Getty hymn sing and. She managed to turn the volume up by herself. Stinker. Um, Kristen Getty, it was her birthday week last week. She turned 40, and so they did, like, a special birthday one. And so she sang her favorite song that they have written. And the song is, My Worth is Not in What I Own. But the line that struck me is, she says, Two wonders I confess. And this is the incredible paradox of the Christian worldview is two wonders I confess my worth and my unworthiness and what reminded me of that was you were saying you know in in the big picture even when, when we're talking about our suffering and things that in the very big picture it's not about us you know like we're part of this really big arch story of redemption of what God's doing in the world but at the same time it is very much about us because God created each of us individually in His image, and because we're in His image, we have incredible worth. And because He, He is God, and He is capable of. Um, I think I
0: grabbed the wrong lid for my coffee mug because it keeps popping sliding off. up I don't know what off. lid that goes to.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Um, or it got warped in the dishwasher or something, yeah. but. um you know because because he's God and he's capable of unlimited things we we know that he values each one of us as individuals and he cares about each of our sufferings and our hurts and you know when um when a sparrow falls he cares about that sparrow and when a hair falls from our head he knows that hair Cares. and um, and so at the same time that we are um, as we're contemplating suffering it's this funny paradox where it's both about us very much about us and about what God's doing in our lives and we can tell people you know God cares very specially and very individually for you and he has a handcrafted, plan that He's doing in your life with this unique suffering that He designed for you. And yet, at the same time, you're called to to look beyond yourself and to empty yourself of your desires and of your selfishness and look for the bigger picture of what God is doing in the world. Right.
0: And that's kind of the, the thinking that I had, you know, this morning was very much along those lines of, it's not... It's not about my response in suffering that that determines how God is going to then respond to me. That's true. So that's not the case. But at the same time, I think it's a small win in my life when I'm like, hey, I'm thinking about this right now. I'm thinking like, God, don't take away my life right now because it's really amazing. Um, And I love it, but I'm going to have to go through this, I'm going through this suffering right now. Whoa." I'm thinking about God and trying to reflect on Him instead of wallowing in my own self pity and my own misery or worrying or fretting or anything else. Like it's just, it was a win. Like I felt like it was a small win for me to go, hey, I'm going Thinking about, I'm thinking about bigger things right now.
1: Without having to consciously say, I'm going to turn away from thinking about self.
0: Or, or show up in Jason's office and have him tell me I'm not thinking about it. I'm like, oh yeah, I just spent an hour with you. Tell me that I need to get my head out of my butt.
1: <laughs> yes, that is. I think. I think we think about sanctification on two grand of terms. I'm trying to remember where I was not too long ago where someone was like, yeah, I count that sanctification and it was so minor and incremental, but it was somebody with like spiritual authority. Like it wasn't somebody who's like, it wasn't us. No, it wasn't us. <laughs> you know, it was somebody that I would look to as a spiritual leader and I can't remember what the context was, but they were saying, you know, um, this this is growth and grace this is god working in your life even if it feels so incredibly small like you haven't fixed all of the problems in the world you just found yourself thinking about god in the midst of suffering without having somebody else be like sit down and think about god in your suffering right (laughs) i think one of the other interesting paradoxes of the christian life when you're thinking about suffering is um I was thinking about this this morning while I was bustling around, um, um, the fact that it can be very much some, the consequence of something that you've done, a choice that you've made, something that you've done, it can be very much not your fault, not a consequence of something you've done. It's just, you know, if you didn't believe in God, it's just the way the world works. It's just, you know, bad thing, you know, that why do bad things happen to good people? sort of thing you know and and yet in the bible you have both you have you sinned and this is your consequence you have the disciples asking jesus why was this man born blind and jesus says it's not anything that anybody did or that tower collapsing you know none of those people did something that caused the tower to collapse but jonah's on the boat and there's this massive storm that's going to crush the boat. And it's 100% Jonah's fault. (laughs) You know, that storm is the result of Jonah's sin. And, um, you know, and then there's usually there's some sort of mixture, like I would say, your divorce was some sort of mixture of your sin and circumstances, i.e. somebody else out of your control, you know, and so you you have this mixture and you could drive yourself not trying to parse all of it out, or you could just say, I'm going to own what I can, and I'm going to move forward in grace and rest right. in the fact that God has a plan and is working in me, both in what I could control and in what I couldn't control.
0: Yeah. I mean, Colorado is a no-fault state, so there's obviously a lot I can control.
1: Yeah, I think most She states... wants a divorce,
0: I don't. Most states don't are no-fault
1: states now anymore, aren't they? I think so, I don't. No, but I mean, you could certainly... You know, I mean, you could put that in any, like I was, the reason I was thinking about it this morning was I was thinking about miscarriage and when you lose a baby, there's a very big sense of shame, you know, even nobody's telling you this, but as a mom whose body failed me, you know, um, there's a sense of shame of like, what could I have done wrong? Did I, you know, I took this one medicine this once before I knew I was pregnant. Did that cause it? Am I not eating healthy enough? You know, do I have some underlying issue? You know, did I do something that I didn't deserve this baby? And, you know, I mean, whatever it is, um, there's a sense of, particularly when it happens to somebody else and you haven't had that yet, like you know I would say divorced is this you know this is true in divorce it's true in miscarriage it's true in financial difficulties you look at somebody else and you're like that person is suffering because of something they did yeah. and then it comes back on you and you're having financial struggles you're having marriage troubles um you're you know having trouble conceiving or you lose a baby and all of a sudden you're like like now the blame if I'm if I believe this is somebody else's fault in their life, what do I do when it's in my life? Do I, do I shame and guilt myself and live under this incredible burden? Or do I say, you know, maybe there is something, you know, I mean, in the case of miscarriage, there are underlying health conditions that can cause it, but it's totally a mystery a lot of the time. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, financial problems. You can have people working hard, being diligent, budgeting well, and they still hit hard times, you know, unexpected things come up, you know, and do you, how do you process internally why you are suffering? And, um, I think that's, I don't know, I mean, I'm, I'm now 40 and it's not something I figured out and I fear that it's something we're going to have to wrestle with. Forever. Well, I don't think
0: it's, yeah, I don't think we, we can't, I mean, so much. No, of not that problem.
1: we can't figure out why we're suffering. I mean, we can't figure, like, we can't find the balance of resting and working, you know, trust and obey.
0: No, that makes sense. I, my, you could, at least I can, I mean, we can go into a, a just a navel gazing hole, uh, if you just sit around and try to figure out what is going on in your life that's causing you to suffer, and that, but that's a that's a the implication of a belief in God that God treat God treats you based on your behavior, and He doesn't do that. And he has. He can.
1: There are consequences. There are for consequences, behavior.
0: but it's not like you can manipulate God into treating you a certain way. Or if I go out and sin four times, God's going God. to come. And I always, I kind of, I still find myself at 40, falling into that channel a little bit of saying, well, I'm, you know, I'm, this has happened to me because I sinned in this way Or God's gonna, you know, if I sin right now, God's going to cause horrible problems for me tomorrow type of thing, which is totally yeah.
1: And then if those horrible me. things don't happen, that's disproof, you know, right. that disproves God in some way in our yeah. minds, it's you just, know, it's a
0: terrible. I mean, It's a terrible
1: philosophy. You know, I've, this is... Talking about how God treats us reminds me of this guy sitting behind us wearing headphones, so he probably can't hear him t- us talking about him. But, um, Thomas, can
0: you turn that down, please? Can you hear it? He can hear it. No, I was just seeing oh. if you could hear me. <laughs> it's fine, Tito. Your volume's fine. You can turn it back up again.
1: Um, no, but, you know, so we're on this road trip right now, friends, and we are... Going in the same... I don't know if it's a road trip so much as it's going on. On a trip, on a road. On a road, okay, you're right. We're we're driving the long ways today, and we're going the same place as my parents, who have two of our kids. And it was up to me yesterday to choose which two. They only had room for two in the car they're taking. It was up to me yesterday to choose which two. And to be really honest, I chose it based on the extreme reaction that I would have gotten from Elise if I had sent Titus and Lili, um, and not Elise. And I was like, I think I'd rather deal with Titus being upset and not getting the privilege and the, he is now, um, he sulked all last night because he did, I think he has freeze and FOMO actually, now that I think about it, he was so upset. I mean, my family suffers from FOMO. We're really, really bad. a little over an hour behind my parents. We were waiting for someone to come buy something off of my lawn Facebook Marketplace. Facebook. They didn't show up. But then we ended up having a ton of stuff to do to fill that time anyway. So my parents left town at 945. We left town at 1115. Titus was so concerned about what he will miss out with our extended family in that hour and a half. I mean... <laughs> Just sulked, you know, Mom. I know you don't want to talk about this, but I'm just really sad about what I'm going to miss out. And that's I was totally like, the family
0: FOMO going I on. I was
1: like, I'm, I'm not having this conversation. I've made up my mind. I don't have the mental space to stress about your emotions. Quite frankly, like I've made up my mind. I, I'm sorry that you're sad, and that's all I'm going to do. And then, you know, when my mom came and picked up the two girls. Elise, entire Ty- Faith, and Titus both stood in the driveway crying as she backed out. Faith, you know, spot Mama, Mama, go, Mama, go, and you know, then she realized she's getting left behind, and Titus is sitting on the ground with his head in his hands. But my point is, is I'm, I feel like in making decisions like this, I'm learning about God because. You know, there's a reason, you know, God doesn't make things, decisions based on, I don't want to deal with, do you see something fun out there? We're not going to roll your window down. It's too windy. Where's your water? Oh, good. (laughs) God doesn't make decisions based on, I don't want to mess with her messy emotions. And I don't, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to hear you mope anymore. God is much more charitable. Than I am, but you know there was a very particular reason that I gave two people one experience, and I gave two people, two of my children, one experience, and I treated two of my children differently, and it's based on their needs and their personality. And again, God doesn't. Yeah, but let's be honest. Half the
0: time we make those decisions, it's based on who we want to deal with at the time. Well, it is.
1: I mean, but 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 the bigger, you know, the. The good picture of that is that God makes decisions for His children based on very individual things that He needs. You know, like look at all the stuff that we had Titus help us do in the two mm-hmm. hours. You in know, one that week he was...
0: he's learned to drive the walker,
1: he's learned to run the weed eater, and
0: he's he did the blower all morning.
1: Yeah, and he was able to do other helpful things like, you know, like you know, hey, can you do this for me? And that... pull the lever
0: on my fertilizer bucket, fertilizer spreader.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, so that was super helpful. I so, can't reach it but there's other things, you know, but so, so God has a unique path charted out for each of us. And as parents, we sort of learn about that unique path by the fact that we have to treat, I don't know what you want, baby. The fact that we have to treat each of our children differently. Um, you need sound. Do you want sound Faithy? Is that what you want? Um, so, anyway, that's all. It's just that, you know, in our suffering, you know, Titus, you know, Titus sees his suffering as punishment, as punitive, as, you know, this arbitrary mean thing that we've done, and instead it's, you know, if we were perfect parents like God, it wouldn't be an arbitrary mean thing, it would be because we have a different plan for each of our children. But I think in our, our suffering tends to feel... Um, more arbitrary and more punitive than if we let ourselves step back and take a breath and trust God but what... I think it's
0: easy to fall into that trap both you know as Tim Keller like the elder brother syndrome like he's like I've done all this I've worked so hard for you all my life and you you give my brother these things and he's like son you've already had all this stuff yeah this was all yours to be good. like you didn't run away You've been here. You, you've had access to this. This is yours. You've been living freely in this context forever, and it was a, like that was so profound. And I think I, I think I finished that book actually on on the way back and forth to Laramie. Huh. With, on an in audio
1: the suburb,
0: in the suburban. Yeah, the audio. Oh, we had a lot of really prominent conversations on this drive. <laughs> we had the airstream drive. That's
1: that true. Elder we did Brother make
0: the airstream decision on this drive. The yeah. anyway um you know but it's just that understanding of who God is and how he how he interacts with his with his creation
1: and the fact and
0: because if it's all screwed up you're gonna have this total understanding you can just manipulate God over and over and over again and when something doesn't go right it's like well I'm not making enough I'm not doing the right things in my life uh you know so God's treating me this way or if something bad happens I like, go, oh, it's because, God's doing God's punishing me for this and that's or that's, that's God not is God not of, being
1: just because of what God owes me for how good I am. Exactly. I mean I think about
0: God owes remember. me. I've done all this for you and this is how you treat me God.
1: Yeah. <sharp> I think too, like the parable of the vineyard owner who pays everybody the same, whether they worked all day, half a day, or for the last hour of the day. And the people who worked all day expect to get paid more because the people who worked at the beginning of the day get paid right. what the all-day people had been promised and I think that I mean I feel the sense of outrage that the all-day people felt like it does not feel fair but God is the owner of the vineyard and he he has the right to do what he wants with his good gifts and that is uh, really humbling to someone who has a strong sense of my own self-righteousness, and thus what I am owed or deserve from God.
0: Well, I think it's just a tough pill to swallow. Anyway, when you uh, when you realize that God's going to do what God is going to do, regardless of whether or not you think it's just right or wrong, I and mean, that by itself is
1: because we're is not difficult. the standard.
0: right. It's, it's difficult to swallow. It is in our human
1: nature. But then we have to try to wrap our heads around. I mean, there's the disciples when Jesus says, "Do you want to leave?" And why is this semi pulling in front of us? I don't know. And the di- oh, he there's doesn't there's want a, to turn off his cruise. No, control. there's a car on the side of the road. Um, That's fair. Where, you know, Jesus says, "Do you too want to leave?" And they're like, "Where would we go?" You alone have the words of eternal life. So even if even if I don't like how God is running the world, I'm convinced that He is God and He is the only path. And therefore, even if I don't like it, I I don't have anywhere else to go. And so my my challenge is to in faith immerse myself in believing and trusting that God is good, ultimately. There's
0: also a lot of, um, it's cool, like, there's also a lot of uh, encouragement knowing that you're not responsible. That a lot of these things don't depend on you. Yeah. You're only responsible for doing the best you can. Or, you know, as I've told, kids, kids are notorious for this. They will get angry with somebody, and they will lash out physically or verbally. And it's like, why did you do that? Well, she did this, he did that. No, that does not give you an excuse (laughs) to lash out in kind. And so there's a lot of, like, we respond well. Like, we're required to respond well and do the best we can. We're not, we don't have another standard than that. I mean, perfection, obviously, but that's never gonna happen. I don't know. The more I talk about, the less it makes sense. No,
1: you know what? I just realized Faith's problem is on her Kindle. Um, I think she has to be connected to the internet to watch movies, like her Daniel Tiger movie. So all it is is apps right now, and she wants to just watch a Daniel Tiger episode, and we don't have any downloaded for her to watch. So Uh, all she's doing is... Well, I can turn on... I can hotspot her. We might need to soon. I also don't remember the password to her. They're all the same. Minutes, I'm not say right he, yeah, that's probably a good idea. So she, did, she wants, she wants to try to find Daniel Tiger to watch. And there isn't much. She's so um, one. One last thought on the, you know, it's not up to, you know, we trust God with the results. We try to be faithful and trust God with the results is just in parenting in general. You know, I, we talk about this a lot, but looking at families that we know, With especially with multiple kids, but it's like, how do you know what did they do right? What did they do wrong? You know, and that's a very fuzzy gray thing because parenting is so between you and the Lord. And I mean, there's certainly right and wrong, but there's a lot of living by faith, um, and figuring out what God's calling you as parents and you as a family to, and um. I think by design, so that we are, um, what's the judo term? Kazushi? Is that off balance? Off balance. Yeah. I think that God keeps us, Kazushi, in our lives. Because if we are on balance, or if we feel like we're balanced, we live in our own strength. But well, if,
0: And we look at the areas in our lives where we're off balance, and we're like, I don't want this anymore. This is, I'm tired of this. But do you want a different off balance? What is all that?
1: Piles of white Big piles
0: of white something. Um, you know, do you want, would, would another form of off balance be better? I don't know that I yeah. want that either. No,
1: so, but I think, I think we, we, in our desire to be self-sufficient, um, fight to have, to feel balanced. Like we don't want to feel unbalanced anywhere. And we have this deep, at least I do have this kind of deep seated belief that, um, You know, I could achieve a life where there is no kazushi. I could achieve a life where I'm not off balance. Do you want a cookie, Faithy? Where I'm not off balance anywhere. And I think, I mean, that's a lie. Because I look at, like, I look at my parents. I want a cookie. You know, I had
0: like three of those last night. They were so good. Mel's Kitchen Cafe. That's why one was missing. Mel's Kitchen Cafe
1: calls them healthy chocolate chip cookies.
0: And I'm not really sure what
1: the healthier part is, except that maybe they have a little bit of less butter than a normal oatmeal cookie, which is not, like, healthier. There's some antelope on the, health, you know, that doesn't make something healthier to me. Um, anyway, um, maybe it's because they have some fruit instead of all chocolate chips. Um, anyway. We'll share the link to Mel's Kitchen Cafe, healthier oatmeal chocolate chip cookies. They're so good. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to squeeze her too hard
0: by the time this trip is over. Is she being cute? She's
1: cute, but she's...
0: This is her first road trip where she's, uh...
1: Remembers it. Anyway. forwards. Oh, that's true. Um. Um. No, I think I look at like my parents and my parents still have stuff breaking on their lawnmowers and stuff they have fixed in their yard and sprinklers. And I'm like, hey, do you think by the time you're in your late 60s, like you could have arrived, right? <laughs> like your house doesn't need repairs, like, you know, and, you know, and then but then your body starts breaking down too. And that's Kazushi, um, you know, but it's all like, like all of life is... God keeping you off balance because you have to keep turning away from self and turning back to him and relying on him for everything. But, um, but I am deeply resistant (laughs) to accepting that fact. You know, I mean, subconsciously in my mind, I'm like, I have to own this and I have to accept it because that makes, you know, it's like if you're If you're out in the ocean, like, you just swim with the waves, you don't fight it, because that just makes it worse. Um, But, um, you know, it just makes it worse to fight the fact that God's always going to keep us in balance, because we live in a broken world, because of our broken desire to be self-sufficient. But, um, you know, we're never going to have the parenting thing figured out. We're never going to have a house that doesn't need repairs or cars that, you know, or... A spouse that doesn't break things. (laughs) You know, um, or a relationship that doesn't need maintenance. Or a son in
0: law that doesn't break things. Like it's helping your mom clean the kitchen on Sunday and I drop a bowl and she's like, I hope that didn't break. Yeah, sorry, Kitty.
1: Which one? One of the red ones. Oh, at least it wasn't one of our plain ones. Anyway, you know, I've been tempted to pull into one of these R V um this massive RV place and just go through, just to get a feel for mm-hmm. space and things like that. Cause I haven't spent much time in an RV or a camper. They probably
0: have airstreams we can look at too. Do you want to no. borrow, do you want to borrow? Um,
1: Somebody's? We can probably
0: borrow Hula hands for a weekend every now and then just,
1: just doesn't could. No, cause it still involves sleeping in an enclosed space, small space with faith at this point. It's true. <laughs> I think it would be really hard on me as I've been following these like tiny, shiny home and other families that live full time out of a camper or an RV, which honestly seems to be getting more and more popular. I, um, on the one family's thing, well, both of them, people are constantly saying, like, we're working towards this, we're working on minimalizing. We're working on getting rid of our stuff. We're fixing up our, our camper right now, um, and they're they're all. The goal is to live like this, and I mean I can. Obviously, it takes a certain type of person to want to live out of a house, you know, a tiny, tiny, tiny house, and be always mobile. Um, and to. Have your soul be satisfied by always exploring rather than by having a place. Um, but I think it would be really hard on me as an introvert to not have my people. You know, nobody is an island. We all need people. We all need to be a community. And it should be community outside of ourselves. And I think that, you know, I, I see pictures of these families at campgrounds and their kids are making new friends and they're making new friends around the campfire and dad's musical and so he and like other dads that are camped out in this RV place are all playing music around the fire together and that's maybe great for an extrovert I would be constantly uncomfortable without having community that I was comfortable with like to always have to be playing the extrovert meeting new people making small talk and to never just have the the comfortable companionship of someone that I know is a kindred spirit that I have an established relationship with that I don't have to work at forming relationship with
0: well even as an extrovert that would make me really tired too because there are there are a couple of families that I just when I want to just like my people I may not be their people but they're my people and I don't really care but I like to have them over because it's just it's super chill like when I have them over they're my peeps you don't have to work at it it's restorative
1: it. it fills your soul exactly
0: I would miss if I was living full I don't want to live full time out of a trailer I can't imagine I would miss things that would be
1: yeah and then think about how important it is for kids to have Friendships that they're able to develop—it's just there's something different about going to a campground and even spending a month there um, and making friends that then you stay in touch with over social media versus kids that your kids grow up with. Right. I think there's just such a different quality of relationship there. But do you think how many people that you follow make the leap wholesale
0: from we're living at home? La da da. We have this huge urge to be minimal and to get rid of our stuff and, and live full time in no. I think most of these people have been doing the camper thing for a while. They just I don't know if they grow wild there or what, but right? I well, don't some know. Most of them have already been sort of already. Been.
1: Um, I don't know. I I haven't followed them that closely. Are you going to eat the nano? Okay. Um, I mean, I think that I think there's some of both. Um, some of them have gotten a taste for it and want to do it full time. And, uh, that I mean, I
0: love the idea of minimal of minimizing. I feel like I'm constantly on a quest to minimize.
1: And we have so much stuff. You know,
0: we have a place to put all the stuff. And I just like I want, I want empty shelves. I just want empty shelves in my garage. I don't want to have to fill every last capacity. So it's kinda of why I was excited when I got to new mower that I could sell my old mower and my lawn sweeper so Well this is wonderful.
1: Yeah. You know? Less stuff sitting Less around. Less stuff
0: and then I've got I've got And that
1: and you didn't feel over. compelled to keep it just in case right. or no I don't feel compelled you know. to keep it um yeah no I certainly I am challenged in that regard seeing like the the tiny shiny home people are now like there's they live off totally off grid in the middle of the desert and they don't have access to laundry facilities so they do their wash by hand every day That's and old school. it is old school and they are so minimal in terms of the amount of clothes their kids have that they can hand wash their family's laundry every day could you imagine me trying to hand wash the amount of clothes that our kids go through um you know, and granted, some of their kids help with the washing, and then they hang them out, and it's so hot in the desert already; they almost flash dry. Um, but um, but that is it's quantity too. I mean, they've got they've got a fraction. You know, no, they, they have four have kids. Two, yeah, but they might have two shirts. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Is you know, they our kids have
0: seventeen thousand shirts that they
1: wear like six of a day? Right. Um, but they're, you know, like that. I appreciate the discipline and the not attached to all of their things but to me I I'm not I mean I love our home and its location and things in it but just the idea of having a permanent place um and not not a permanent place that's always changing places if that makes sense like the camper would not feel like home to me
0: but I mean like having having less stuff so think about this terms of the camper so let's say you say we're gonna we're gonna remove except for furniture in our home we're gonna get rid of anything that we wouldn't use in the camper and then you kind of start from scratch but what that also does is it makes it really easy to pack up all your things take off for a month and then rent your house out because you don't have to worry about trying to prep it for somebody else or
1: yeah, that's have true.
0: all this stuff you've got in cupboards and fill but, but we wouldn't
1: rent our house out necessarily i would try i would try to be a Ugh, I wouldn't. I would. I can't. I don't think people take good enough care of your stuff. He does. That's true. He's in somebody else's house right now. Um. You want Daniel Tiger again? No, but I just—I mean, like you were talking the other day, Jr. Like we don't have a small group, and we haven't been going to church, and we need to be
0: so much deliberate.
1: More deliberate than we have had to be when we're more social. But
0: that said, we've been forced to, to, we've been forced into social pressures and CDC guidelines not to have people over.
1: Yes, yes. So we've been trying but to be
0: respectful of other people.
1: I've had, like, some text conversations with a couple of friends who are like, kind of feel like I'm falling, kind of like the people who are like, falling into a habit of not going to church and I don't mind it. Yeah. You know, the also, yeah. like, I'm falling into a habit of not being outreach oriented not looking out for other people social sure i'm to to fall- yeah i'm falling into a habit of not being out there all the time and i like it and on the one hand i think that a lot of us could have could use more time at home and more time with our families and a slower schedule i think that's better for kids mental well-being and things but there's for sure do you want your kindle back do you want it back
0: Now, I wonder if there's an element of there's a balance there somewhere. Like if you suddenly find yourself going, man, I like not being, I'm around not going. Yet. I'm liking not going to church or I'm liking not being around people that perhaps
1: um, I don't know why she wants. Cuz she can't. I'm going to give English up though, well. But she also can't be pleased. But right? But there's now.
0: that there's that element. Of, there's probably a balance there somewhere. Like if you like that yes it could be a signal that we've been doing too much and we need to change moving back into social change our change our lifestyle
1: yes that again though i think speaks to the individual walk of faith like you can't broadcast to everyone you you know everyone needs to have learned from this that you know, because your kids' mental well-being is better, you've enjoyed the family time, everyone needs to stop doing all the things and be at home more, you know, because some people, you know, need to be pushed more in that direction. And some of us who are like, kind of like not having anywhere to go, nothing to do. Like, I don't want to re-enroll rein- my kids in anything because I don't like having to be anywhere any day of the week. Yeah, see, there's, there's an know? extreme
0: that's probably yeah,
1: not Yeah, and I, you know, I've missed some of my friends but you know I haven't had the accountability of you know people asking me how I'm doing Um, and you know that's not good so you know everybody has their own balance to find but um, for those
0: that aren't familiar um, our normal routine before coming into all of the End of the world stuff with COVID. We would do Tuesday and Thursday evenings we're set aside for judo. And that would be a, a roughly about a three-hour affair. Two blocks uh, twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays.
1: And three of the kids <coughs> do the classes and Jared would help with the yeah, classes. So we all do it week.
0: together as a family. So that's really it's really tolerable. And um, we would
1: try to have people over on
0: Wednesdays. Yes, yeah, so we'd try to have people over try. on Wednesdays. Sometimes we try to do something on Fridays and Saturdays, but that really was kind of the only thing we do. Then Sunday was typically church. We'd go over to your parents. We'd spend all day at your parents' house, and that was the day we, I kind of set aside. I'm not going to do anything those days. But then during ski season, Saturdays become uh, Saturdays become ski, you know, ski days. That didn't seem like a lot, but now moving back in, it really even just those two activities feels like a lot.
1: Yep. It feels like a lot. It does because it's nice to be, have a family dinner every night of the week and not two nights be rushing meals and rushing to find geese and belts and, but it's and snacks. It's also not necessarily
0: and, like, I don't know that it's necessarily, is it healthy to have that much isolation where you don't do anything to go to church on Sunday?
1: You know, again, I think that's kind of a cultural thing because look at the Wilders, you know, Laura Ingalls Wilder, like they literally did not see another family for the entire winter, every winter of the books that we read, you know, some of them. I mean, Pa would go across the street to the store to get news, you know, but she didn't see, she saw maybe one or two friends the entire winter, you know, and, you know, that was, that's, that is what it is, right? Um, Just different culture. But I think for sure we can affirm from scripture that, that humanity was made for community and our, bent is you know an extrovert's bent is maybe to use people you know to make themselves feel good or for enjoyment and an introvert's bent is to avoid people for whatever reason not always but you know recognizing that God made us all to know others deeply and to be known and to give and to receive love Um, and we all have to figure out what that looks like our own lives and our families but for me personally and i know that i I think of those two families that i referenced that are full-time travelers and i think they both have good relationships with grandparents that would probably be like their kids most rooting like the one family spent two months hunkered down on like grandparents slash great-grandparent property in texas and they were there long enough that the great-grandparents helped grandparents great-grandparents so the parents grandpa helped the kids plant a garden that they were actually able to start getting some fruit out of because in Texas it's hot and things grow faster than in Montana but you know so they've got they've got those roots Um, and then obviously both of these families homeschool so they've got this like nomadic social media homeschool tribe that they're a part of as well Um, but for me um i i want to have people in a place to come home to after i travel i don't think that um it would be good for me it might for a while scratch an itch to not kind of like this covid has done like scratch an itch to not have to be around people all the time but it's not good for me and i mean like then you turn back to our previous conversation about suffering and um, you got to have people who are there for you when you're suffering, yeah. you know, to turn you back to God, to pray for you, you know, and if you haven't invested in building, you know, I don't like the word tribe because to me it feels like it's exclusive. exclusive. Yeah. You've got your people who are in, you've got your people and you've got your people who are out. And if you have a tribe, there's, and you refer to them as a tribe you're automatically telling anybody who's not in your tribe that you're, you're not, never, you're I've not necessarily welcome. But, but, but the good part of that is like, you've got to have, you've got to cultivate relationships where when you have health struggles, when you need help, you know, in any way, physically or emotionally, that there are people who are there for you. And, um, there's a different, for sure. People have cultivated good distant relationships. Like there's a homeschool movement called Wild and Free that's pretty popular. Wild of,
0: and Free! You know, a lot of these gals,
1: I mean, they all met each other online at first. There were very few Titus. who were face-to-face friends before and now they're super tight, mm-hmm. Like particularly the leaders of this movement. And um, and that started online, but it's, it's pretty rare that your online relationships are gonna have the quality yeah of a face-to-face relationship and so for me you know it's when i in my women's talk i talked about like you've got to have your people who are your lighthouse when you're you know tossing and turning you have to have somebody else who's shining a light for you Mm -hmm. for the fixed point but you don't just like get in a storm and expect there to be a lighthouse somebody has to build the lighthouse and for you know you have to put in the work of building the relationships,
0: before you need to rely on them. Who's your lighthouse? My hey Tito, has, you my hear us Tito, you hear us talk about all this stuff. Does it, do we live it? Or do we just talk about it and you guys, you're sitting there thinking, you guys are full of crap. Kind of live full, it? Kind of live it or kind of full of crap? What? Kind of live it. Well, hey, we're trying. It's better right? than nothing. It's better than nothing, I'll take it. <laughs>
1: What, you want to hold this? Okay, you can have my plastic carabiner. Sometimes when we drive past over here, there's a rodeo going on. Probably not right now though, huh? Nope, no rodeo.